Hey, credit to Justin Campbell for the intro at, J- at jcamp1521. This is Jose Galison, and you're watching No Way Jose. You can find me on the No Way Jose YouTube channel, all the major audio packagers, and Odyssey as well. Today, my guests are Dave Smith and Sal the Agris, or Sal Mayweather, whichever one you want to go with. Uh, just so you guys know, uh, right now it's a live stream. If you're doing it on the 15th, uh, it will after we're done, it'll go behind a paywall. I'll be available for patrons or patrons uh, at patreon.com. It's just no way Jose 2020 lowest levels, two bucks highest levels, 20. Those are the sponsors. My sponsors are CD McRae, the whiskey and tea podcast at space cat 2k uh, Jacob Winograd of the Daniel three podcast. Great resource for like biblical anarchy type content. Liberty down under of the Australian Liberty network and also the gum tree of Liberty podcast. He covers a lot of stuff going on in Australia. All right, today we're going to be covering the agorism versus politics discussion. Uh, and if you guys, I know we'll probably have a lot of new people here. So, you know, if you guys aren't aware of what agorism is, uh, there's a lot of resources on my channel. I finished the a live reading series of an agorist primer with Caleb Brown. The playlist is up on my YouTube channel, or you can hunt down the ones in the audio. Uh, you know, go watch all those. I'm currently working with Sal. Uh, you know, we've I got two episodes, I think, yeah, two episodes. Uh, and yeah, of new libertarian manifesto so there's a playlist for that as well but we're in the midst of it so you, know, you can follow along with that uh and then i do want to let you guys know uh next week i have marcel dumas and crypt daddy on to discuss the cnn n-word rogan january 6 article so that'll be fun if any of you guys read that it's absolutely ridiculous so i have crypt daddy covering the comedic angle and then i have marcel dumas who's a genius to cover like the historical narratives aspects they go into that a lot it will be it will be very informative, and I actually think it'll be very funny. And uh, yeah, there's so I'm very excited for that one. That one's gonna be fun. But my point being, follow me on Odyssey because that has all the makings of uh, getting that one ripped off. Uh, to our gang, we have no guests this week, but make sure to pop in. Uh, maybe we'll end up with a guest. We're pretty bad about that. As always, go check out Top Lobster, toplobster.com. Use Jose at checkout for 10% off. All right, let's get into this. I'm excited for this shit. What's up, guys? What's going on, fellas? What do? What's up? All right. How are you guys? We're good. All right. I'm ready for this. I'm uh, I'm excited. Um, almost excited as my N word episode next week. But <laughs> yeah, I was like, I want to do that one. Why'd you have me on this stupid episode? Did any of you guys read that article? Like, I skimmed it and I was like, this is so rich. I have to cover it. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Like, yeah, they it. jumped the shark so hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's like they can't help themselves from just doubling down <laughs> yeah um all right let's start with i mean i know most people know who you guys are but just in case you both both have fairly large following so you might be bringing in different people from both sides so i'm gonna have both of you guys intro yourself and then also we're gonna kind of do i'll have you guys intro yourself and also do your kind of opening statements and then what is agorism to you because you know it's always going to start out with definitions uh, I know Dave, you may not have delved in this as much. I don't expect you to. One of the things I like about you is you're intellectually honest. So I don't think you at all be have an issue with admitting you haven't read the the doc the the text or whatever. Um, so, but this should be fun. I mean, if you have, you have. That's cool. I mean, so I I've, I've read a, a decent amount of uh, Konkin, and um, I've uh, I, like I you know I'm vaguely familiar with uh, like agorism, but I'm certainly not an expert in it. So maybe yeah. that'd be like I know you guys are both agorists but i've never actually talked with you jose about agorism before and i mean this is me and sal's first time like doing a show together so i don't know exactly like what like if you guys subscribe to the entire 
Konkin model of like everything with like wage slavery and, and hierarchical <laughs> organizations being wrong or something like that. Or so I, I yeah. maybe you, you let me know and then I'll, you know, fucking I see, I deal see with Sal's... what you, act. well, I don't want to like, I don't want to like fucking argue like straw men shit. You know what I mean? I see so, like, Salzburging already. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, do you guys, but like, are you guys into all the retarded shit? Too, I'm in, I'm in a hundred percent, 110 percent. I will the say way. the things that are retarded shit are usually misconceived. It's just misconceived conceptions uh i mean i've done multiple episodes on these i I don't i have my own critiques of agorism and i I think even me and sal have differences of opinion when it comes to agorism and uh this is why i think this matchup of the three of us is actually kind of beautiful because there actually be periods i'll probably push back on sal uh i kind of intend to for you guys that are watching I'm, i'm intending i don't want this to be a debate i want this to be a conversation like somewhere between a conversation and informal debate and I will be the third person kind of moderating and but popping in here and there, depending, you know, seeing how it feels fit. Uh, you know, I kind of do what I want. It's my fucking show. Um, you know, we're not doing the full on debate thing, but kind of a kind of a, a loose debate. Uh, you know, I wanted to go more conversational. So it's because uh, I mean, I like debates, but they get a little contentious sometimes. And I don't think either one of us. I mean, we can agree to disagree and we can talk things out and there's no reason to get crazy. No one's trying to slam on each other here. Uh, I do think it's important. We, me and you, Dave, talked about on my episode, the Rothbard episode, and this was something in Anatomy of State, is that we kind of don't really know with Praxis. Like, you see Rothbard, his Praxis changed throughout the years. And it's one of those things that we don't... As as libertarians, we like to have this, like, you know, perfect theory or whatever, but then Praxis is where we're kind of in the gray area. And I think it's important for all of us to be a little bit cognizant of that and be humble. And I think that's actually where a lot of the issues come in play. So, uh, But I guess with that, if you... I don't know if Sal or Dave, who wants to start out the kind of opening intros and then you're kind of, I guess, let you guys kind of have a, your, your own rough opening statement type deal. Whoever wants it can have it first. I, I yeah. Let, why don't you go first, Sal, just because like, I'm not like super familiar with what your perspective on this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is. So, um, for anybody who doesn't know me, I'm Sal Mayweather, Salvi Gorist on social media. Um, been a libertarian since like the Ron Paul days, turned to Gorist eventually. And um, yeah, I subscribe 110% to Konkin's philosophy, all of it, like the wage slavery stuff and all of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess the way that I see it is like really there's two arguments against political participation that Agorists make. And the first argument is like the, the stronger argument is always the moral argument, right? Because if you can prove that something's immoral, then really all all other considerations become irrelevant at that point. So um, the moral argument against political participation is simply that no one has the right to impose a master on the unwilling. And it doesn't matter how uh, benevolent you or me or Jose or anyone else thinks that that master will be. It's still the course of imposition of a master nonetheless. And there's really, there's really no way of getting around that as far as I could tell. So, to me, right there and then, because it's immoral, then we just shouldn't do it. So that that really is enough for me right there. But if anybody out there is still not convinced, then there's always the secondary argument, the weaker argument, which is the pragmatic argument. And that's simply that it just doesn't work. Um, humans have tried their hand at politics for thousands and thousands of years. Not only has it not produced a state of liberty, but it's actually produced our state of our current state of like pseudo fascism or this digital prison that we're all in. So it doesn't work. And the reason why it doesn't work is because the game is rigged. Um, We saw this in 2008, 2012 with Ron Paul. We saw it again in 2016 with Gary Johnson. Uh, Once he met the uh, 
polling requirements, the commission on presidential debates just increased the threshold until it was like just out of reach for him. So the game is rigged and uh, it won't work. And the response I get from a lot of the guys in the LP and the Mises caucus when I say this is like, yes, so we agree with you. You're right. But see, we're not actually trying to we don't want political powers. What these guys say, they say um, this is really about trying to inform the general public about libertarian principles. Um, these folks sort of try to masquerade the Libertarian Party as if it was some sort of educational institution, like it was a university or something. But this doesn't work either because trying to like teach people about the dangers of politics while campaigning is sort of like trying to impart the importance of pulmonary health while chain smoking in Newports or like downing double cheeseburgers from McDonald's. You wouldn't take either one of those actors seriously. Um, and by the way, Murray Rothbard agrees with me on this. Um, he wrote an article for the Libertarian Forum in 1972, which became the basis for Chapter 13 of Anti-Politics, where he basically said the Libertarian Party cannot be an educational tool because what Rothbard says is that whether we like it or not, um, the average fluoride drinker, the average statist, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, the average person out there, the average voter, still holds the political process near and dear to their heart. So whether we like it or not, when a third party candidate gets up there and they try to sort of change the system and upset the apple cart, they invariably get written off as a kook and their ideology goes down the drain with them. And Rothbard says, look at the Socialist Party of America or whatever it's called. He says, they've been running people for president for over 100 years. And what has been the educational impact of the Socialist Party? He says, slim to none, slim to none. And I would just add to that before I kick it over to you guys. Um, that's exactly what happened to Ron Paul, right? In, in 1988, when he ran for the Libertarian Party. I don't know if you guys ever saw that clip. He was on that show with like that dude, Mort or Morty Adam something. Dor I Dora can't Dora remember Jr. his name. Yeah. You remember that? Well, like that guy, like he like, they really tried their best to make him out to be like a lunatic during that show and during that whole campaign that was true. And that came back to bite him in the ass in 2008 and 2012 because he still had a tinge of that that sort of outsiderness, like that that craziness to him. And they successfully used that against them. So I think like it doesn't work. It's immoral and it, it's not a very good educational tool. By the way, one more point here. Dave has probably, with the exception being of maybe like Tom Woods, few people have been as successful in educating people as to libertarian principles. But it's all been based on the entrepreneurial platform, like a comedic platform. It's not been as a result of you running for office or something like that. You know what I mean? I guess that would just be a summary of where I'm at. All right. Uh, I guess we can engage in some of those arguments because you threw a lot at I don't expect mm -hmm. Dave to reply to all of them. Uh, but uh, I guess, Dave, if you want to give your intro and then also kind of, you know, opening remarks kind of deal. And then, sure. you know, if you want to, I guess you already kind of touched on what agorism is to you. Well, and then we can, uh, I, I do yeah, want to say real quick, sorry, let me sure, cut sure, you off. You guys, I will take questions. I'm a pure capitalist, so if you want to give me money, I'll bring it up. Dave for president. Yeah, that's what we're kind of talking about, I guess, a little bit. But uh, thanks for the super chat, Jeff. Um, um, go ahead. Okay. Well, I, I think I should just respond to that. I mean, I don't know. I think most people, you know, I'm Dave. I'm a comedian, and I'm, I'm a libertarian podcaster, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a member of the Libertarian Party. Um, so I uh, respectfully, I think every inch of that is wrong. 
Like I literally think every, I think I disagreed with every single thing you said. I mean, even down to I'll just start with uh, um, taking my hero Murray Rothbard, and yes, he did write that. I know the piece you're talking about in 1972. He said a lot of stuff. This was this was literally a few months after the Libertarian Party had started. He later changed his mind, ended up joining the party. Uh, was a big part of it for a while. Then he changed his mind, left the party, became a Republican. It, but if you want to say that Murray Rothbard kind of like endorses this view, I would recommend everybody to go read Murray Rothbard eviscerating Konkin, which it basically, I mean, like handles a lot of this stuff to me and absolutely passionately his entire life believed in the political um, activism being like an important process in the, the fight for liberty. So it's just that's the reality of the situation is that Murray Rothbard throughout his entire career supported the idea that political activism was a, was guaranteed to be a very important uh, part of all of this. So I would say to just to take on your two points there, uh, number one, the idea that um, political activism is inherently immoral is just flat out wrong. I mean, that is not the libertarian position. The libertarian position would be that initiating violence against peaceful people is inherently immoral. But if you say like the idea of running a campaign or something like that has in absolutely no way, shape or form is doing that, um, uh, particularly running a campaign from a third party, which is almost always about uh, you know making a point or spreading a message. Um, the I, I also would reject the idea, which is getting a little bit more into the nuance, but I, I would say, at least in theory, um, the idea of imposing a master on people who don't want it, I mean, you could certainly theoretically you know, think of a, a situation where a libertarian was elected to some type of office and was purely rolling things back. In which case, like, you could say, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, you're still the master who decides to roll things back. And I I would rather someone else decide to roll things back or something like that. But I don't think there's a strong libertarian case that that's actually immoral if you were doing that and just giving people back their freedom. You know, like if you just got in and did nothing but repealed the war on drugs, you, you know, somebody may have not wanted you to do that but they still have the right to not do drugs themselves it would just be you know like saving people's lives so i disagree with that and in terms of the the other point you made with the the practical effect of all of it i mean well you could say practically it doesn't work okay like on some level that's true you could make the exact same case that practically agorism doesn't work. I mean, both of these things have been tried for a very long time, and yet we still live in a world where there's this really awful authoritarian state that crushes people. But how are we defining working? I mean, you kind of seemed like you gave me some credit there at the end for spreading the ideas of liberty, just doing it through an entrepreneurial you know, sense and talking about you know Tom Woods and guys like that. Now, if you're going to concede that there is value in spreading these ideas and introducing more people to them, which I think you're going to find yourself in a really difficult performative contradiction if you don't, because what the hell are we doing on this podcast? What are you doing sharing memes? What are we doing doing any of this if we don't think there's some value in talking about these things? And if you concede that, then not only has politics worked, it's worked by far better than anything else that has ever been done, including for you. I think, as you just said, that Ron, the Ron Paul presidential campaigns are what brought you into this. So I, I just feel like you're almost like it's a real stretch to say that politics is evil. No, like like statecraft is evil, like and, and specifically not even just that, but, you know, like enhancing the state 
or initiating violence against peaceful people is evil. Something that is political, like the Innocence Project, is political. People who are anti-war activists are being political. People, None of that is anti-libertarian or inherently immoral at all. And I think that, you know, in terms of like, if, if the idea is that we think it's positive to roll back the state as much as we can, if we think it's positive to spread these ideas, I think living in reality would just kind of dictate that we acknowledge that there is this thing that is politics that can be effective at both of those. And in terms of the Mises Caucus guys, and this is the last thing I'll say, and then we can, we can move on, but the Mises Caucus guys, I think typically the position is that, yes, in terms of national elections, that is usually what the goal should be, to spread ideas. And the Libertarian Party was started with the explicit uh, vision of being an educational tool. And so I, I think that that now on local elections, you want to try to find winnable elections and do good things. And, you know, a lot of really good things have happened as a result of local politics that I don't think serious libertarians, as much as we may like to live in a world where the state doesn't exist at all, I don't think we should just, um, you know, like turn our nose up at the fact that like, you know, I don't know when, when if there's states that have decriminalized marijuana or or you know mushrooms or you know states where uh, or or even counties where they've made concealed carry uh, you know legal. I mean these are these are policies that absolutely should be supported. They save people's lives. This is like a very big deal. And so again, the the only other thing I would say, and then uh, is that um I'm not like you know, there, there's a little bit of an asymmetry in what our arguments are here, because I'm not telling anyone to stop practicing counter economics. I'm not even I'm not telling anyone to stop joining the Republican Party or to stop doing all of this. I'm just saying like, hey, look, this is what I think is a real good strategy. I think there's a lot of potential there. But, you know, I think you guys would be in the position of telling me to stop doing this. So I, I think, honestly, I think it's silly and that we, as, as Jose said at the beginning, libertarians should be very confident in theory, very humble in, uh, in strategy, and that none of us really know uh, exactly what strategy would work. None of them have really worked so far. But what I got going here, I think, is a pretty damn strong argument that it should be pursued. All right. Before Sal Spurgs, I do want you guys kind of <laughs> – you kind of perfectly led into where I want to bring it. Uh, I – this is actually kind of a show of faith right here that I'm actually not – we didn't do this, set this up to to gang up on Dave. Not that we actually could. Dave is uh, – someone actually proposed that me and you do a debate, and I was kind of like, uh, I mean, I'll do it, I guess. But, like, I mean, I could be – Dave, I feel like you're the kind of person that could argue the wrong point intentionally and still win just because you're such a good debater. Yeah, like, I'm not I mean, even a libertarian. <laughs> this is all an act. <laughs> I'm just like, good at this. Like anyone who's watched enough debates has seen someone who has the right or what you think is the right perspective lose to someone who's far sure. better at, at you know doing the point. So I would I would lose no matter what I was arguing probably to you because I don't have those type of uh, skills that you seem to have. This but all seems I, like a technique. Stop kissing yeah. my ass. Just make your point. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I want to get into I want to go into the moral argument because and the reason why I'm actually completely flipped with Sal on this one because I. I have never, and I don't even think this is necessarily an essential tenet of agorism, because uh, Konkin makes a point to uh, kind of, you know, uh, emphasize a matter of you can take multiple routes to kind of get to his conclusion. Like, you can use the moral, the practical. I actually don't value the moral as much, but I've never been able to even wrap my head around it. I can't wrap my head around the aspect that in all political <laughs> action is moral. So I, I, I just can't even 
I, I can't like I take the Spooner approach of it's essentially to me, like say something like a vote is a, a power, a coercive power, giving you a choice between two things. And I take the practical argument of, you know, generally speaking, uh, you know, it's not to your benefit to take to make that choice. But like I even then I could I could uh, contrive a situation in which I would vote or whatever, because at, at the end of the day, like I said, it's a course of power. So in my point, there, the only difference is degree between, let's say, some person with a gun comes and takes my wife and some random person and puts a gun to both their heads and says, choose. Like, obviously, I'm going to pick my wife every time. And that, and that in, my, in my head is no different than a fucking, like, at least in principle is no different. The degree is obviously different. And I would make the practical argument that obviously that's not the case. And so it's different for every vote. But I could contrive of a, a, a quote unquote vote that I would vote for. Uh, it's very rare, but point I'm getting at is I can't even understand the moral argument. So I guess I want to give you guys a chance to kind of go into that. I'll step back, let you guys have that argument because I actually agree with Dave on the moral argument. I don't, I don't see a moral argument for it unless you have some sort of weird, unless you have some sort of weird moral system that dictates the results or what make it moral or not. That's the only way I can understand it, uh, well, which is kind of a wonky morality to me, but I'll, I'll let you go. So. Well, it's not that um, you can't prefer A to B, right? It's totally fine to say A is preferable to B, but it's it, it's the, the point is to recognize that neither of them are satisfactory. Neither of them are sufficient, right? Only freedom is sufficient. So, yeah, I mean, it's totally like, of course, Ron Paul would be a better president than Barack Obama would have, but I don't need a president. Even Ron Paul, as good of a guy he is, as wonderful of a man that that person is, I still don't want him to tell me what to do. Um, but I mean, in terms of the moral argument, I guess, yeah, I guess I would just say that like, yeah, I mean, it's not that you can't prefer one to another. It's just that we recognize that neither of them are satisfactory. The only selling sufficient condition is me being free. That's the only acceptable take. Well, I mean, yeah, the, the word, I don't think the words satisfactory and acceptable are exactly right. I mean, perfect kind of seems like the way what uh, the word to describe what you're saying like i don't know i'd be pretty damn satisfied if ron paul was elected president and it certainly seems preferable to me that he would be in there to barack obama um look this to me is just classic like making the perfect the enemy of the good and so i understand yeah yeah i mean look Again, this is why like theory is one thing and real life and practicality is another. And I, I, I don't mean to say like there are weaknesses in having that outlook and you don't ever want to sacrifice too much of your principles in order to say, hey, well, we have to do this because it's real life or whatever. But the, the fact is that like if you had two people, you know, like even in Jose's example, if someone, oh, Jose's gone. Uh, if in Jose's example where like if you had somebody holding a gun to you know uh, someone's head and it will even make it a little bit different than his or if they're like hey we're gonna kill your wife unless you give us you know a hundred bucks or something like that of you know course. if i if i give them a hundred bucks i don't think that's me endorsing the system of them extorting me it's just going hey look this is the reality there is a person right there with a gun and this outcome is way more moral than that and to just simply add in that situation well i don't think that's good enough i think the best situation is there's no person holding a gun to my wife and no one gets extorted like yeah i mean that is better but given this situation if if two people ran for president 
I mean, if someone ran right, uh, you know, uh, uh, in the next election, let's say we just had a choice between a Democrat and a Republican, and they were exactly the same on everything. But one of them was like, I'm going to end all the wars and end all the COVID restrictions. And then on everything else, they were terrible. Absolutely, I'd go vote for that one person and do it with a completely clean conscience. And the idea that like, I'd be like, well, no, because this isn't perfect anarchy. I can't vote in this thing where like, millions of lives are going to be saved. To me, that's it, it's, um, it's as, as much as I love like libertarians who are great on theory, to me, that's the worst of the caricature of libertarians who are great on theory who are completely removed from the real world. Well, I, I mean, I guess the only point I would say, welcome back, Jose, is... Um, <laughs> Thanks for joining us. <laughs> to your own show. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really necessarily disagree with you that, you know, if somebody has a, a gun to your wife's head, of course, you know, you do whatever you have to do. And, you know, we could definitely prefer candidate A to candidate B. But at the same time, I, I, again, I don't have a problem with that. But I do think it's important to recognize that the only as a voluntarist as an agorist the only acceptable state is freedom and it's like if you engage in agorism then like the covert restrictions all that stuff is already out the window because that doesn't apply to us if we're if you're if your strategy is one of civil disobedience then the state's mandates are already irrelevant you've already superseded that you've already defeated that like there's no point in having these these conversations because you're already not complying with the law yeah, and like I, I think know, if man, everybody that's... did that, then we would or we would be in a state of free. We would be where we're trying to be. At. But but this is exactly what Rothbard pointed out about Konkin. That just it's it, it, the problem with this is that it's just like everybody can't do that, and that's just the reality. Again, this is this is if we're living in not what we want the world to be, but in what the world is, then it's not just true that like ah, then, you know if you just do agorism, then who cares about the COVID restrictions? I mean, the reality of the situation is that the COVID restrictions destroyed tens of millions of people's lives. And if you're one of the people who was able to set yourself up so that you're outside of that system, then great. But the truth is that, I don't know, I'm not a libertarian because I need my life to be materially better. I, I'm doing pretty good. I, it's, it's because we care about what the state is doing to other people. That is usually the primary goal for, or the primary focus for, or driving factor for most libertarians. And the, again, the, the fact is that most people cannot exist in black markets. That's the reality. There are certain groups of people who can, and more power to you, go in with your eyes open if you're going to be in violation of the law. And I I don't advise anyone to violate the law. And if you do, I'm not saying it's immoral, but if you do, I recommend you be really smart and be really aware about what you're doing um, and don't take unnecessary risks. But the idea that like, I mean, there are all of these people who like, you know, have whatever, own a restaurant or something like that. And it's like, oh, we'll just go be an agorist. It's like, okay. I mean, it's not really a solution for those people. The state was literally coming and shutting down their restaurant. And, you know, again, it's like, this is the Konkin stuff that I think gets like kind of goofy where it's like, oh yeah, okay, we just want to exist in like with no wage labor and no hierarchical organizations or something. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that works for a very small percentage of the society. It's never going to work for the vast majority of people. And for the rest of them, the state is a real force a real factor of, you know, evil force in their life. Let me interject so think, real oh, sorry. Uh, let me interject real quick. Uh, I guess I'll pass back to you, Sal, because I don't know if what I'm about to touch on will be your same point. Uh, I don't know if Sal maybe misspoke, but uh, the idea of that everyone does, this is a common problem with a lot of practices. Uh, so they'll be like, if everyone does this, if everyone does that. 
And I know I, me personally, maybe Sal is different here. I, I'm, I would never say, obviously, it would it'd be nice if I could snap my fingers and make everyone do the same. Well, not the same thing, but pr- pursue a certain practice or whatever. But that's not how the world works. But the idea I'd say most agorists would be making is that the more people do it, the better. The more you expand the market, the more like it, the more it enables other people to more readily be able to access the gray and the black markets. And then uh, I also do want to bring up, uh, I know it's, the idea with entrepreneurialism in general and like black markets or whatever or gray markets is, yeah, it's one of those things you definitely need to slowly build up. Because, I mean, I've definitely built up my side hustles and I'm still not even in a place I would consider satisfactory. But it's not a matter of just like, you know, jumping in one or the other. You got to build it up. And, and the irony, I, I was talking to someone the other day. I compared it to like praying. I'm not religious. But like people always, like say with agrams, there was huge re, uh, in, in not insurgents, but huge wave agrams, like in the peak of the of the lockdown where it became really flashy. And it's because that's when people realize, like, oh shit, like it'd be nice if I had some sort of gray black market income, whatever. And it's kind of the same thing with praying. But, you know, it's like every the, every Christian knows there's that concept of like, oh, people don't ever pray until they really need it. And it's like, well, the idea, you know, in this religious context is you should have been doing it the whole fucking time. And so like it's a little little too little too late type thing, but it's it you know it's better to start now than any than not at all uh but yeah i'll, I'll pass it off to you sal if you if you have anything you want to add to what dave was saying sorry i left I my stream by the way <laughs> i was just gonna say um uh in terms of like rothbard yeah like um i think that was one of the things he really got wrong was the idea that like agorism wasn't suitable for everyone because we could all go from like our fuller part-time jobs to our side hustle and if we build up that side hustle, eventually it becomes like a full-time gig. So I think Rothbard really sort of missed the ball on that one. But um, in terms of like the wage slavery and the hierarchy stuff, we don't like, it's not that we're, we don't think that the, like wage work or hier- hierarchies are inherently evil. It's just that in a free society, there would be much less of them, right? Like a, a free society would be much more equitable. There wouldn't be as vertical. It would be much more uh, horizontal. Um, and the wage slavery stuff, if you think about it, wage workers are really slaves if you really think about it because they all of them um have a portion of their earnings automatically deducted by the state um the word for that is slavery right in the antebellum south they, they deducted 100 percent. now they deduct like what 40 50 percent so it's like it's like it's just a different form of slavery so like we're not saying that wage work is it's not it's not a violation of the, of the non-aggression principle to agree to work for a wage or to pay someone a wage but uh, it is like a form of slavery if you think about it that way. Well, but that's um, not a comment. On, that's not a comment on wage slavery. That's a comment on taxation. I mean, by that same logic, a business owner is a slave. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, there's nothing wrong with wage work, but there is something wrong with taxed wage work, which right, all wage but work then why is. Why would we? If we're, if we're, but th- then this is just confusing to me, and like this is what leads people to think you're on some left wing like like craziness. It's like then why say wage slavery? It's like no, the business owner is actually probably much more of a slave by your logic there than the wage worker. This has nothing like it has nothing to do with being a wage worker. So why would you say it as the wage worker is well, a slave? Well, what wage? What wage doesn't have income tax deducted from it automatically? No, I'm if not arguing they're not. I'm not arguing they're not being taxed. My point is that anybody who's paying into the income tax is by the, by your argument, which I agree with, right. is by your right. argument is at least they are at least, you know, in however you want to put it, they are retroactively being enslaved for enslaved. a percentage yeah, I of agree time. If you pay the income tax. But that has nothing to do with being a wage uh, laborer. That has nothing to do with having a job. That just has a fact to do with that you're being taxed. And, and in most cases in this country, the boss is being taxed substantially more 
more. So it was much more of a slave uh, than than the worker who agreed to a salary. L- let me jump in again real quick. I would say, uh, I mean, maybe Sal will disagree, but I think it's, at least when I use it jokingly, referring to like talking in aggressive terms or saying wage slavery, it's mostly tongue in cheek. So I, I don't literally think it's wage slavery. I mean, I can see how that's confusing. And uh, I want to go into later into our critiques of our own certain positions. And that's very much tied to my own position. I do think there's some issues with rhetoric. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if you want to add on that, Sal, or not, because it, it does seem just to be a, uh, it seems to be an optics issue when it comes like to a that. semantic but, thing. I don't yeah. think it is. Yeah. I think really, I, th- I truly believe that if you, if you automatically have a portion of your earnings deducted by Nancy Pelosi, that you are enslaved to her. I think that entrepreneurs are, are more, they're better positioned to minimize their tax burden. I won't say you should avoid taxes because I'll go to jail, but entrepreneurs are better positioned to minimize not only their own tax burden, but that of their employees. So it's sort of, you almost have like a, like a multiplier effect if you engage in entrepreneurship. And the other benefit to entrepreneurship as opposed to wage work um, is that, you know, as Austro-Libertarians, we know that in order, like the entrepreneur is the one who allocates resources in a, in a free market. So to allocate resources away from the state, you have to be an entrepreneur to do that. Um, but I do want to jump back to like something that was said earlier about like how agorism doesn't work and stuff like that, because I really couldn't disagree more. I really think that agorism is the only thing that that works. And I know like I don't want to sound like I don't have a, a deductive proof, like concrete, like two plus two equals four that everybody else is wrong and I'm right. But I, I think that by virtue of agorism being the only logically consistent version of libertarianism, it sort of suggests that it's much more likely that this is the the right uh, version of it. But um, if you think about it, like Konkin died in what, 2004 or something like that. And in that time, think of the progress that we've made. Um, We've had the Bitcoin white paper to disintermediate the Federal Reserve. We've had Uber um, and Lyft disintermediate the taxi cartels. Uh, Airbnb, other entrepreneurs have disintermediated the hotel cartels. We've had uh, the 3D printed gun. Ivan has come, come out with the FGC9 and Jay Stark and those guys. We're tokenizing securities. We're trading them on decentralized exchanges. We're moving from DeFi to DarkFi. So like Agorism is providing the solutions, whereas I think all other solutions, whether that's the Paleo solution or the Mises Caucus or anything else, it's sort of like pouring resources into uh, something that doesn't work. Wait, but it's hold like, on, because now you're you're completely conflating just entrepreneurs with agorism now. Like the so so you're just agorism is now getting credit for all of these businesses that by your own definition would be slaves. Like, do you think Uber doesn't pay taxes? I, I mean, I'm not I'm not arguing with you that yes, the private sector does more good for the world than the public sector, but that's a that's a very different argument than whether libertarians should be agorists or be, basically or, or can be as agorists as they want to, but can also participate in the political system. I mean, you're just saying what companies are doing that are are, are productive. Think- that has nothing to do with working in black markets or counter economics. I mean, Uber probably yeah sure they've they've done great stuff they have generated enormous amounts of revenue for the government i mean i I don't know so we could google what the total tax bill that uber's paid so far is but holy shit every goddamn last one of them is getting taxed no one no one who works for uber is an agorist so this is and this by the way i gotta say i find a lot of this in conkin's work as well there's just a lot of conflating of these different things in order to make an argument that's not exactly staying like linear i still don't like i 
I don't know. That's you, you can't just say like we have to have like counter economics. Nobody can be a wage slave uh, or, or no. We don't want anything where you pay taxes or anything like that. And then also, by the way, I'm going to take credit for all of these businesses, everything that business has done. Like, yes, we all agree. Business is better than the state. One hundred percent. I want yeah, to no, touch on the wage slave thing again real quick. I, I, I Just to be clear, I. I don't think maybe Sal correct me. I don't think Konkin ever said any point. No one should at all should do it. It's just the idea is to, to it's better to move that way. If you choose to stay there, that's your own thing. But or he if did you're, say it's not libertarian. Um, I don't. I, I don't recall which that. I maybe object to. Yeah. I, maybe I, perhaps I don't recall that. So, uh, but yeah. Also, Sal, cool with the uh, crypto talk. Me and Dave don't know the fuck you're talking about. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm trying. I, I guess like. I guess the only thing I would say is that, like, I to me, agorism is really just—it's just like the differences. Whereas entrepreneurs seek profit, agorism, agorists are are—it's a specialized form of entrepreneurship where you seek not only profit but also disruption. So when I see like a disruptive entrepreneur, whether that's Airbnb or Uber, I consider that to be like a light variant of agorism. I, mean, like, I guess you can make the argument that they're sort of wading into the gray markets a little bit there because it's a sort of cartelized market especially with like bitcoin and um uber like we saw what happened with them in, in new york city how they were sort of they had this like battle with the government um and also in california and stuff like that so i do think there is like this tension between disruptive entrepreneurship and the state that by, really by the way can't be uber, denied uber in new york city lost and they levied a tax on every single person who uh, has an Uber ride. So that's your story. By the way, I'm not even like disagreeing with your You're right. point. I just You're don't right. think this fits into the debate that we're but, having here. But so Uber now, every single time a New Yorker orders an Uber, there's a special tax that they're sending right to uh, the city of New York from their Uber ride. So, uh, yeah, I mean, again, like... I, I kind of agree with the idea that I like that Uber came in and disrupted the medallion monopoly that the taxicabs, you know, had. Um, but the idea that this is some type of argument of this is how you take down the state. Well, no, I mean, it's this actually funded the state a lot more, but provided a better service uh, for the people of New York. But again, this is kind of uh, th this just gets into a thing where it's not. This is not an argument for why libertarians should not participate in any type of political action. This is an argument for how disruptive business can provide overall more benefit than harm to society. So that, I don't think any libertarian is gonna disagree with you on that, but that's kind of not really the, you know, the argument here. And the other thing is that, you know, you can talk about like what Bitcoin has done. I think that's a great argument. You talk about what a lot of these, these businesses have done to undermine uh, government monopolistic practices. I, I don't disagree with you at all on that. But again, you know, kind of like the, this point that I made at the very beginning that has not been addressed. And I, I, I've never heard a satisfactory, you know, response to this is that if you do value spreading libertarian ideas, you know, Mm, I mean, Ron Paul's campaigns for president did a better job of that than anything else. And so I just think you're going to it's to me, it's a very tough position to be in to say, I do value spreading libertarian ideas, but I don't think Ron Paul should have run for president because that that was the most successful thing by that metric. It was the most successful thing we've ever done. 
again, though, I think Ron Paul, he did that as a Republican. He didn't do that from, from a third party. And I think the reason why is because but that's a different Rock debate. But that's a different debate, Sal. So, so it, OK, it, we can have that debate. But now you're accepting that political action. You're just arguing with me over party. So fine. I'm, which, by the way, I'm, I'm happy to have that debate. But like that is a very you have to acknowledge that's a very different debate than aggregate. It is. You're right. Action. You're right. And I don't make that argument. But I do think that there's a stronger argument. I'm not a paleo, but I do think there's a stronger argument for paleo libertarianism than there is for the libertarian party but yeah. that aside putting that just like to the side for a second um consider like the effectiveness of, of the two strategies sorry my siri keeps picking up but consider like the effectiveness of the two strategies we have like for example that bill to audit the federal reserve was it hr24 or something like that it died in the senate after goldman sachs made a bunch of donations to the senators mm -hmm. so consider the effectiveness of that approach with the effectiveness of the bitcoin white paper right Consider the effectiveness of every dollar ever donated to the NRA or some small government politician versus the effectiveness of the 3D printed gun. All of the Agora solutions have actually provided freedom, whereas the political solutions has been really nothing but backpedaling. It's really sort of only just sort of kept libertarians in place and it's really sort of prevented us from making progress. Well, yes, you're right that the free that, that the market produces a lot more progress than the state does. And I'm certainly not arguing that getting libertarians elected to the federal government is going to do a lot to roll back the size and scope of government. But the argument I made was very specific that if you think that spreading ideas is important, then the political rep right. has been exceptionally successful compared to everything else we have. Right. Right. In terms of that. And let, let me just say, because I mean, it, I, you threw out the argument and then like kind of walk it back. But the argument that I'm like making, if you say like, well, yes, of you, you can't really argue that Ron Paul shouldn't have run for president. So then it becomes a well, he did it as a Republican and not a libertarian. It's like, well, yes. And the biggest obstacle in Ron, the biggest success of Ron Paul's uh, presidential runs was the traction that he built up on the Internet. The biggest impediment to him was how he was blacked out by the establishment and the corporate press. And I'm just saying that the argument for doing it through the Libertarian Party right now, at least in terms of being as successful or not because any of us are better people, but just because of the situations that could actually be way more successful than that. The argument to run for the Libertarian Party is that we right now and this is I guess maybe this would be like at the kind of core of my argument is that right now we're in a situation where. Look, I have not decided whether or not I'm going to fucking run. I, I'm, I have not made that decision yet. Um, and I'm not like saying that in some politician way. That's the genuine truth. I have not made that decision yet. But I've been very honest about it that I'm considering it. And there's a lot of people who really want me to do this. And I can tell you right now that because I'm talking about this, just because I've floated out the idea of doing that, the excitement that it's generated, not only from like all like like a huge group of libertarians, but from some of the most influential members of like uh, like the most influential people in the country right now in the alternative media are all asking about this, are all excited about this. The If we value spreading these ideas right now, if I were to run as a Republican, I'd literally never even make anything i mean there's no there, there's no chance that i could do a thing but running as a libertarian i'm in a situation where it's very realistic very realistic that i could have the endorsement and support of probably 10 to 15 of the most like influential people in america right now all getting on board with this thing and just to jose's point before about like being somewhat humble with strategy like the idea that that should just be dismissed 
as like, oh no, that's obviously the wrong move. That obviously wouldn't help anything. It's so, it's so a, from an a priori perspective, so clearly immoral that you would try to do that. It's like, after a while, dude, it's like, dude, it's kind of fucking insulting. And it's like, I don't do this with anybody else's strategy. I'm never telling any agorist, hey, that's stupid. You shouldn't be fucking selling shit on the side. That's never going to work. Yet all day long, I get these people telling me that this strategy, which through by the measurement of spreading the ideas, seems to be more effective than just about any other strategy that anyone else has going on. Now, they just know for certain that this is wrong. And yeah. I don't know. I'm just not seeing it. I'm not following the linear argument here as to why this is this is so inherently uh, something that shouldn't be done. So let me let me let me try to help. You said a lot there. I don't know if we'll be able to remember everything, but um, I guess the the main point was like spreading like the ideas and stuff like that. How effective Ron Paul was. So per Bylands, who from the Mises Institute, the Economist. Uh, at Oklahoma State, he's got this article called The Savior Complex, also became part of anti-politics. Um, and essentially, he really convinced me here. Basically, what he's saying is like, yeah, it's a, it's a noble and commendable goal to try to bring people to these ideas. But you only get 70 to 80 years on this planet with a whole lot of luck. So do you want to spend that time trying to convince people that they're not slaves and that they should be free and that they, that they should allow you to be free? Or would you rather spend that short period of time actually living free, actually being free? And again, the benefit of it is if we all actually live free, then the state sort of withers away. It's like sort of it's just tying off a vine, right? Um, so if, yeah, by the way, how do you wants- get there without convincing people? of it if we all just live free like what are you doing here on this podcast with economic incentive people what have have people adopted bitcoin because they read mises or have people adopted bitcoin because it makes financial sense for them probably a mix of both but more of the latter group exactly yeah so i think that it's more likely that people adopt these ideas vis-a-vis economic incentive than vis-a-vis political persuasion history shows that the latter is much more effective than the former but the other thing I wanted to bring up um, real quick is you brought up um, like humility and strategy. But and I agree with you. Don't get me wrong. I don't I, I hate that we come off as like I guess this is really me more than me than other rigors like Jose, who's much more diplomatic. But like I do sort of I do really believe that all other strategies are wrong. And the reason why it's not that like like some sort of supremacy idea or it's complex or something like that. But I, I sort of think of it, think of it like um like science, like uh, it's almost like if you told Galileo, who like when he told the whole world that, you know, the, the, the sun is the center of the universe, guys. And you were just like, hey, 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 Galileo, why don't we just all why don't we all just use our own theories and we'll all just, you know, see what happens. Yeah, you can use a logically inconsistent theory, but every time you try to apply that to the real world, you're going to wind up with irrational and nonsensical results. Like, for example, getting 3% of the vote against the two most unpopular candidates in electoral history. Right? That's what happens when you use a logically inconsistent theory. It's the same in the natural sciences, and it should be no different in the social sciences. Well, no, I mean, that's what happens when you're on Gary Johnson and Bill Weld, sure. But, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that's kind well, of... Well, that's the like, other thing. Like, are they the libertarians? Of, like, huh? like they weren't like Gary just baked the cake. Johnson wasn't even a libertarian. So it's like the best he could do is three percent. And he doesn't even represent my views. So it's okay. like at the end of the day, the only person who's going to represent your views is you. 
right? A lot of people dis may disagree with you or Ron Paul. They might have a one or two disagreements here or there. The only one who's going to represent you and your beliefs is you. And you only get that well, through you did start off, entrepreneurship. You did start off by saying you agree with Konkin on everything. So I don't know if it's true <laughs> it's that the fair, only, the only more, person who represents your views is you. I, I don't know. Look, again, this is kind of like, I, I just feel like a lot of things are being conflated here. To say that if you're going to agree that there is value in spreading the ideas of, of liberty, like if you're going to say there's not, then then fine. We could have it. The, then we could go down that path. But if you're going to say there is some value in that, then okay. Now, does that mean that therefore the standard is does the value of that supersede or do more good than every other value and positive thing that you can do in the world? I mean, that's not exactly the claim. But if there is value in spreading the ideas of liberty, and again, as I said, if you you're you're stuck in a position here where if you say no, then it's like what the hell are you doing on this podcast? You're in a performance of contradiction why are you sharing this these memes why are you even like putting your voice out here to begin with if you're just saying well there's no value in that and instead i can just go do you know start some business or do some counter economic thing then go do that and then what's the point of doing any of this but if there is some value in that then I don't know. I mean, say like me getting the enthusiastic support of Joe Rogan, Tim Pool, Kennedy, Dave Rubin, fucking Greg Gutfeld, like all of these influential people. I go, well, if we do value spreading the ideas of liberty at all, shit, that's a really huge opportunity for like the most badass speaking tour that libertarians have ever had. So I don't know. That seems worth pursuing to me. And so you're I, doing I that just anyway. feel like we're not. No, we're doing that I, anyway. No, you're going on all I, the shows and talking Jeff Dice, which is great, but we're doing that anyway. So why we're not why change Here's what's the already working? Listen to me, man. When you go on these shows, the excitement in their eyes that there might be a political run coming out of this. This is like why when you mention, listen, people at every single one of the people I just mentioned, all of them, they ask who's going to run as the LP candidate for president next time. Are you actually going to do it? Is this real? Are you going to do this shit? And they get excited. None of them are asking, "Hey, I heard the Mises Institute put out another Hoppe book." This is fucking crazy, man. Now, we may not like that. You know That's what I problem, mean? But right. yes, okay, fine, but it's also sell the world we live in. And at some point we have to start dealing with reality. And so, yes, this is not, again, this is not because it's a perfect world, but in this reality, in this world, this is the type of thing that can, yeah, look, I mean, if, if the world was perfect, then like Ron Paul never would have had to run for president. He could have just kept saying what he's saying. Ron Paul right now should be generating just as much enthusiasm as he did in 2012, just from doing the Liberty Report, but he's not, is he? And why is that? Because it's not attached to a presidential campaign. And that's the way, maybe it's part of the, the status system we live in. Maybe it's also just part of our dumb monkey brains that we're looking at who's vying to be the alpha monkey or whatever. Maybe there's some evolutionary answer for it. But that's, if you're talking about what actually gets people excited, and everyone can see this, which is part of the reason why, like, so many people have something to say about the fucking Mises Caucus, because you wouldn't have anything to say about it if it wasn't generating all of this success. I see, like, but you don't see people all day, um, you know, commenting on uh, whatever it is, the, the Republican version of the Mises Caucus. Who do you see all day in the Mises Caucus who's talking about it? No one. Because it's not generating any excitement, so who cares? The only reason why everyone's talking about this is because it's generating so much enthusiasm. And so, but that in itself is kind of the point, is that like, if done the right way, this can generate enthusiasm and spread these ideas and be like, hey people, come look, there's a thing to be a part of now. There's a thing that we're doing and it's based around these ideas. 
I think there's real value in that. That's not to say there's more value in that than anything else in the world that could add value, which is why I would never be in the position of telling anyone not to start a business or that that is not a way that you can you know, undermine the state or something like that. But I think it's really silly to be telling people not to be in this business, you know, also. Let me jump in here. Uh, this will kind of this kind of ties into, I guess, we, we brought up the Ron Paul thing before. And I think I have a slightly different perspective on it than Sal does. I, brought, I watched a couple of my old episodes with him a while back to kind of prime myself for this. Um, my point with like somebody like a Ron Paul or even like a you, like I don't deny that there aren't moments and I don't deny that there aren't, they, you don't get some sort of boost at a presidential candidate, uh, candidacy or, or atta- attaching yourself to like a political movement of some sort. My thing is, I think if you look at it from the overall, how this has gone, it generally doesn't move in the right way. So it, I, I equate this to like something like gambling. Like you have someone who's fucking won a jackpot once and then they just hold on to it for forever. And this is what kind of feeds into them continuing going down this path. And so that would be kind of my point with like the Ron Paul. I don't deny that there weren't tons of people who got convinced by it. And I don't deny there'd be tons of people who'd be convinced by you. But now to what extent does that kind of pull people in? And also on top of that, what other effects come after that? For example, one point I always bring up is, and a good example of this right now is Young Americans, of, young Americans for Liberty right now. Like they just basically got taken over by essentially the left libertarians. They've been basically infiltrated. I don't know if you've been following that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of a example of what I'm getting at is that, yes, you can have these movements that get these, this, these big, you know, people get inspired, get moving into them. And don't get me wrong, there's positive effects, but I think there's also negative effects we need to. Now, does the positive outweigh the negative? I don't know. That's the question here. But now the thing is, when you build up an institution like this, especially, you know, be the LP, YAL, I think inevitably it will return to, I mean, I, I, I can't give you like a specific, like, perfect argument for this but i think it will return to people who are suited for that the bureaucrats type the people who like to woo up to the fucking politicians whatever so that's kind of my point with something like the lp like yeah, but- i think you'd get a lot of people but what happens four years down the road eight years down the road 12 years down the road do you give a bigger platform to the sarworks or whatever right, right. to play so- with later I think there's like a really there's a really valid that's a really valid question and a really like you know uh a really valid concern but I mean, again, like, you know, like everything else that anarchists should be pretty familiar with this argument. It's like compare to what? And Sal used the example, you know, of Uber and these other companies and like, OK, but you could also argue that they just kind of become their own, you know, like, you know, what Konkin would call monopolistic hierarchical uh, organization that is basically a tax farm for the state. And they come in and they provide huge amounts of revenue to the government. Now, again, I would still say there's more good than bad that was done by these organizations. So it's not that there's no, yeah, there's something to that, you know, and like that's kind of part of the mission isn't just to take the thing over, but to keep it. This is like Hoppe had that, uh, you know, that whole speech that was about how to achieve a social, uh, a libertarian social order and then how to maintain it. Like that's going to be an issue also just in general for libertarianism. I mean, if there's been all of these states throughout the world, that would be a pretty big concern for libertarianism. Like there's no guarantee that even if we were to achieve our libertarian order that I don't know. Someone wouldn't dream up the idea of let's have a state again because it's very profitable for a lot of people. Um, So uh, it's not that that's not a concern. I just still look at what I'm saying and go, well, if we could introduce the ideas of liberty to millions of Americans, which is like kind of the scale that I'm thinking on now. 
Like I've kind of gone from like over my career from being like, hey, can I introduce these ideas to dozens of people, to hundreds of people, to thousands of people? And like now I'm thinking like on the level of like, how do I do this for millions of people? I still think I'll I'll roll the dice on that and say I think there's more positive than negative in that pursuit. <clears throat> yeah, but you see, I, I would suggest that you're doing that right now. Right? You're going on these shows and you're getting the airtime right now to spread these ideas right now. When you start running for office and you start telling people, hey, guys, politics is dangerous, but I am also running for office. Then it sort of corrupts the message. Then it's almost like, why should we take this guy seriously at this point? Whereas right now, you are already successfully imparting these ideas on the masses. There's no reason to sort of corrupt the message by tainting it with um, like a like a political run. But it's not to me. It's not tainting it, and that's just the obviously. I I like I'm doing what I do now, so I'm not like arguing against what I do now. But there's nothing. You're just asserting that it's tainting the message or corrupting the message. Like I don't think there's any way that it would be doing that. It would literally I mean, just be the exact same message on a much bigger uh, platform. Again, though, to like I don't know. I just I keep going back to the idea in my head of like somebody telling me, "Hey guys, politics is dangerous," but I'm running for politics. But it's no like, one's hey, saying that. Is bad, you guys do this, but you guys do this all the time, and I've heard a lot of you do this. It's just, it's like that's not what anyone's saying. That's just a straw man of it. Like, first off, the message isn't that politics is dangerous. The message is that the state is evil and destroys people's lives. And by the way, I'm running for president to for let you state. know that. No, <laughs> not really, though. Not really. That's not I'm really to be in charge you're just, of the what state. you're doing is you're trying to force this into a contradiction, even though that's not what I'm actually saying. So I think the, it is, though. Right. But it it's not no, 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 but I know, a performative but I, contradiction. No, it's not. It's not at all. There is absolutely no contradiction. There is absolutely no performative contradiction between saying this. Uh, the initiation of violence against peaceful people is wrong. And by the way, we have a party that believes that. And I'm going to run for something to let more people know that we believe that there is zero contradiction. That, now, if you say it as politics is wrong and I'm in politics, then it sounds that way. But that's not actually what I'm saying. I've just it's just that this bugs me because I've heard several people use this kind of line, but that's not actually the thing. Listen, let's just say hypothetically, right, Sal, that hypothetically, I run for president on the Libertarian Party. And it goes and it just gets a lot of enthusiasm. It gets a lot of people talking about this. It like like the best case scenario, it introduces like millions of people to, to these ideas and it changes the narrative of now all of a sudden, because so many people are interested, so many of the, the Democrats and Republicans kind of have to answer the questions we want them to ask. There is zero performative contradiction between what I believe and that happening zero there's that you can you can say it however you want to but there's nothing there that contradicted the idea that i think it's immoral to initiate violence on peaceful people nothing i mean i mean i guess just the way i see it i mean the state is the institution of initiatory coercion so to yeah. say i oppose initiatory coercion but i want to be the head of the main body of institutional coercion is is a performative contradiction i mean i don't know that's just i don't think there's any other way to slice it i mean even no matter what happens, even if you collect one cent of taxes, you have committed a performative contradiction. Yeah, I'm I mean, there's really no way of avoiding taxes, it. Sal? What are we I talking mean, I'm just saying there's, there's no way of avoiding it. Like, yeah, but there's no, but that's just a made up thing. House, but that's a made up wanna, thing. If you want to pay the janitor, you have to violate the non-aggression person. You have me in the White House, Sal? Like, that's really, so you think <laughs> this is such a, this is such a disastrous, uh, flawed uh, strategy that you see me doing so great that I win. 
So, so you're saying, saying this strategy, your so this, no, 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 in order to make it a contradiction, you had to put me in the White House. So, okay, Sal, I'll say this, because I don't just simply live in abstract theory in my head. I believe in principles, but I live in the real world. If I win the presidency, 70 million people voted for the radical ANCAP libertarian who's just preaching Rothbardian shit. No, 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 I'm saying, in or, yes, but you just laid out the case. So let me say, in order to make this a contradiction, you had to have me winning 70 mil or 50 million votes, whatever it would take for a just third to party say to win. It is a contradiction. I'll, I'll take it. I'll, just, ta just, I'll live with win, the... Sal, I'm literally responding directly to the scenario you just laid out. So as soon as I collect one cent of taxes, I'm Mr. Badman Hypocrite, but 50 million people supported the Libertarian. I'll take it. I'll live that with is... me being Mr. Bad Guy and I the agree world being I'm, radically changed for the better. What I'm saying, I don't, I don't disagree with that, by the way. Of course, you know, collecting one cent of tax is preferable to the tyranny that we have today. No, no that's doubt. not the point I'm making, though. That's not what I'm saying. I understand. My point, though, is that it is necessarily a contradiction to say, I oppose initiatory coercion. However, I want to lead the largest entity of, of initiatory coercion that's ever existed in human history. Right, that but in I didn't and of itself is, is a contradiction. But to yeah, run for president is. is to imply it. No, Sal, it's I think not. you're overstating the point a little bit. <laughs> it's just not. It's not to I don't say think so. to say that I oppose initiatory, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, violence. I oppose initiatory coercion against people, and that's why I'm running for president in order to roll back as much of that as I can. Is not a contradiction. Again, that would be you like... just have to change it to say it your way. And, and like it, it, again, I, I don't know, man. Whatever. It, even if there was, if I believed this was even like within the realm of something that might happen, like you're gonna get elected president or something like that again my my interest like i feel like libertarians can be like we can believe in this philosophy and also live in the real world and our primary concern can be more liberty for more people and not getting a 100 a plus score on the i'm a perfect logically consistent like if a libertarian won the presidency and rolled back 80 percent of what the government is and you're going to sit there and go well it's a performative contradiction because they still have the other 20 percent i don't care I, that's I don't great with you. that's great that that happened i agree with you i think that would be wonderful i wouldn't i wouldn't be like if that happened i wouldn't be like gary johnson or dave smith or whoever is such a bad person i'd be like yeah this is obviously they've created a much better situation than we lived in but i still don't want gary johnson or dave smith to tell me what to do I don't need another human being to 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 dictate um, my life. I'll, but, I'll, I would trade. And by the way, this isn't me and none of this is real. And now we're just into these weird hypotheticals. But if Gary Johnson got in and rolled back 80 percent of the federal government and you didn't like it, I'm OK with that trade off. I agree. I don't I don't I don't disagree with that at all. I, all right. I, I want to jump in uh, with the uh, the. OK, I do think, Sal, you kind of overstated big time. I will say there is something to that. I think it does slightly muddy the message, but to say, I, I, I don't know, I guess to jump to the extent that Sal did would not be where I would go. Uh, not, not trying to turncoat turn coat here since we're both trying to gang up on Dave, but yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, that is a bridge too far for me for sure. I, I would say though, I, I understand. I, I do kind of understand the point of that. It does muddy the message a little bit to be like, to the outside person looking in, uh, being like, hey, you know, I'm an anarchist. You know, I don't believe anything should, should happen, but I'm going to engage in this political machine. I, I, right. But I, I don't necessarily but what do you, can think I ask you, that I mean, means look, 
I think that is such a fucking like 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 to I could understand what you're saying to the like okay I don't agree that it's a performative contradiction yes the idea of muddying the waters uh, okay yes perhaps to the anarchist agorist community they feel that way but I mean I don't think well let me just finish I don't think that that's true for the vast majority of people who I'm going to be talking to which by the way is not I don't really need to spread the ideas to the people who already agree with them here's what it would really be in reality Okay. In reality, it would be um, a, a libertarian who's running for uh, for president, just kind of like the way there's always a libertarian who's running for president, except this time on way bigger platforms, saying some way better shit, inspiring a lot more people. And you guys would be in the position of. Be- I'm not asking you to vote. I'm not asking you to fucking you know in you know uh, approve of the system or or legitimize the system or anything like that. All it's going to be is. Someone like that would be up there saying some real dope shit, and you'd be like, "Ah, oh, that was pretty great what he said there." That's the reality. But you're doing, you're the already reality doing that, situation. though. Right. On, you're but already it would be doing on, that. Right, but it would be on a much bigger level. But but to, to me, like, so the way I see it, you're already doing that. Number one, and then right. by engaging in politics, you're sort of just tainting the message. Again, I know you guys don't think it's a, you guys don't agree, but I again, it's sort of like, like if you were an advocate of like heart health and you were going to audition to be the marlboro man like it doesn't make any sense to me why you would do this yeah it's just all these false so so i guess if ron paul had just stayed a country doctor he would have done a better job of not tainting the message again there's a difference though so agorism versus the paleo libertarian strategy is different than agorism versus the libertarian party strategy Ron well, Paul I thought we were talking about agorism versus politics here. So I'm just saying, like the the thing here is like, you, are you saying? I'm just curious if you're really going to take because you'll you'll you're kind of when when I'm making a good point here, you're you're with you're receding to the Republican position. So was Ron Paul have not tainted the message? Like you're an agorist, right? So Ron Paul wouldn't have tainted the message by just staying a country doctor and never running for Congress, never running for president. No, he definitely would have, and I. I... Just to clarify here, I'm opposed to both the paleo-libertarian strategy and the libertarian party strategy, but I think that there's more to be said for the paleo-libertarian strategy because at least the paleos have actually, other than the agorists, the only other faction of the movement who's ever done what they said they're going to do, Lou Rockwell, Ron Paul, Murray Rothbard, they said, hey, look, we're going to create more libertarians. And they did. They created the Mises Institute. They had the two Ron Paul campaigns as a Republican, and that created a whole shit ton of libertarians, probably all three of us um, included. But that wasn't again. He did. He had that success as a member of the Republican Party and not as a member of a third party for for a specific reason. And again, I'm opposed to doing it as a Republican as well. But there's more to be said for that than there is as a libertarian. Because they did what they said they were going to do. I'm I'm just not like not following the argument here. So, okay, so the Mises caucus said that they were going to take over the libertarian party and recreate like an energy for libertarianism that we haven't seen since the Ron Paul revolution. We are 100 percent doing exactly what we said we were going to do like that. So I don't know. Nobody else made any any grand promises or anything like that. That was the promise. And we are damn if we haven't fucking done that i mean i'm sure you guys have had success but i would doubt it would compare to like the success of lou rockwell and the mises institute yeah maybe one day maybe one day 
I know, but, but that's my but I'm point. Just, I, like, the... I feel like this argument, and I don't know, Jose, if you see this, I feel like this just isn't staying linear. Like, you'll make one claim, I'll take on that claim, and then we're moving to a different claim. So I'm just trying to keep jumping around here. It's like, so my you point... didn't, but, but hold on, but you didn't respond to whether Ron Paul would have been better off not tainting the message and never running for Congress or running for president. Then you go into how the Republican argument is better. Then you say the paleos were better because they did what they said. Then I'm pointing out how the Mises Caucus is doing what they said, and now you're going into how the Mises Caucus has achieved as much as lou rockwell it's just like it's it's hard to keep track of this because every time i take on one thing you say you're moving to another thing it's like the go the goalposts here are shifting around like crazy man so i like, can't keep track of all of them but so but I i'm just trying to respond to everything you say directly like so what, I, what i'm saying is that like both of them are not valid both of them are are, are subpar to the agorist strategy but i think if we had to rank them i think it would be like agorism and then paleo-libertarianism, and then the Libertarian Party strategy for the reasons that Rothbard explained. Now, I, whether or not Ron Paul would be better off if he had not engaged in politics, like, obviously we wouldn't be here, but I do think that if Ron Paul had... had well, I want to back you that up, because this is where I guess I kind of maybe have some qualms that you take this approach with the Ron Paul question, because I do think to some extent that is a little bit of a fallacy, because and this is something Kaufman has touched on before about how... He, he kind of gets to the point that, that, to some extent, libertarians may be different. So I don't doubt at all that Ron Paul had a huge effect on the movement. But it's not. I think it's a little bit fallacious to assert that if it wasn't for Ron Paul, we wouldn't be here. Because we I don't wouldn't. know. It, it, it's kind of... Okay, but you can't roll back time. Like you don't know if something else would change your perspective yeah, but it's, at it's, some point. It's I like, mean, don't get me wrong. There's, I just think, I, Ron I Paul's think, great. I love Ron Paul. I think Kaufman's. <laughs> I think Kaufman is wrong about that. He might be onto something that yes, there's there's something yeah. to do with a personality trait that would lead toward questioning things or would lead to something like this. But yeah, no, dude. At, if yeah. I hadn't no. heard Ron Paul talking about the Federal Reserve and Misesian economics and all this, I Same. never would have been introduced to this. The the odds that I would have just found this some other way are i mean i guess i suppose not impossible but incredibly yeah. slim so i, I, just I just don't think it's hard think to assert this, you know I, I i think kaufman is it's a very i, I like him a lot i'll, I'll yes. support him in his run for senate and all that um but i uh i do not think it's correct this idea that like lib like libertarians are like gay people or something like that where it's like <laughs> we would just figure out how to start sucking each other's dicks yeah. or something whether By the or way, not I, anyone I, ever gave us a book or something I i'm not saying crazy. he's 100 right either yeah. i'm just saying kind of there's something to that the and so to whenever you're speaking historically of like if this hadn't happened then this wouldn't happen it is kind of hard don't get me wrong there's a very fucking strong argument for Ron ball there but it is very hard to say for certain that something else i think would it's come along it, and change i think opinion. instead of playing cosmic like uh you know kismet or something like that i think it makes <laughs> it makes a lot more sense to say that the person who introduced you to a whole bunch of ideas that changed your life your life affected you and introduced you to those ideas like i just think that's yeah. a more reasonable yeah, I mean, way to look at things i can't speak for anybody else but i was like a raging neoconservative like warmongering lunatic before i found ron paul he saved my fucking life but again like there's Through only, a political like, campaign but notice though but dave, <laughs> I mean, come dave, on, notice dude. notice how there's only they only allow one ron paul or one thomas massey it's never two and there's a reason why it's because the game is rigged against us well what do you, you mean hold sit on down what do you to mean play a game of cards where you knew ahead of time you were going to be cheated out of your money so why sit down to a, a, an even more high stakes game where you know that you're going to be cheated? Because like, we're already because we're already getting cheated. I mean, first off, I don't know that that's necessarily true that they only allow one. I mean, the truth is that it's like 
Ron Paul, like, there really hasn't been another great libertarian who's run. I mean, there was Harry Brown and then there was Ron Paul. I mean, there's like no, there, no, I, I don't know. Exactly. I mean, I'm supposed, right. So, yeah. like, there, there really haven't been that many of them. And when Ron Paul did it, he got like a tremendous amount of enthusiasm. So, if the question is, why would I, why would I play in this game that's rigged against us? Well, look, this goes right back to what we were talking about at the beginning. I think it's really valuable and important to introduce as many people to these ideas and get as many people like passionately on board with them. I think that helps our cause. I think whether that's the, the like people doing counter economics or people doing stuff like the Free State Project or people doing homeschooling or people doing the Republican activism or the Libertarian Party activism, I think it helps all of our causes if all of a sudden in a couple of years from now we had 20 million more passionate libertarians and i really believe that that's achievable like i i what i that i'm like very convinced of i know if little old me has just been able to do what i'm doing and i've created like tens of thousands more libertarians that it's absolutely possible to create 20 million more that that is my belief in, which i think would fly in the face of jeremy kaufman's kind of view on things um right. but right. i'm but i'm just saying so i think that's valuable in the fight against this game that we're all screwed over in which is having a state ruling over us and no matter how agorist you are l let's get real we all know it's not like you ever completely escape the fact that there is this evil institution even if it's just the kind of ripple effect of other people being fucked over and then that kind of sucking you know for you to some degree so I think this is a this is a worthwhile effort in this struggle. It's again, I'm arguing it's one component of it. You know, I was doing I did a show on a um Pete Quinones is a, a podcast with that Andrew guy and and uh Andrew uh, I, I don't remember his last name. Um Andrew Popular Liberty. Popular Liberty. Yeah. Andrew, yeah. Um, and he was saying like, well, all libertarians should have like a mad dash for power. We should all be like running for local mayor. I completely disagree with that because, you know, there's opportunity costs and it's impossible to know exactly what. I don't know. Maybe someone's starting a homeschool program. Who am I to say that that running for office is better than that? Maybe someone's doing some counter economics. Maybe someone's starting some book club. I mean, who the fuck? What, what do I know about what's more valuable? However, I think this is an important component. And I'm not going to offhand say none of those other components matter. But I don't think there's a logical argument to say that this one doesn't. But Local I do want to jump in. There, there's something to. All right, I've heard Hopkins make this argument. I don't even 100% agree with this. So don't take this as me saying I 100% agree with this. But there is something to the quality versus quantity thing, where you have some sort of boom. They would call it like an artificial boom. I think I've heard. It might have been Jared from End Democracy who made this argument, uh, or from Hopping.org. But uh, so say something. There's something like a Ron Paul, or whatever. Like you end up creating this sort of like artificial boom in a sense. I'm not saying 100% agree with it, but there's some there's something to this argument, and that can lead to people who you know like the reason the Cato types, the ones who honestly I I mean maybe I'd hesitate to say this, I'd almost rather rather than be somewhere else than in the libertarian sphere because uh, they kind of taint it. They kind of become one one thing. Conkin went into a lot in well, not even a lot, but he kind of brought on how they could be you know the Libertarian Party could in a in a later time become like the next party essentially and not in a good way this would be the the types you don't want to take that kind of 
subvert the message of libertarianism and make it to work for the regime. So I think there's, I mean, I'm kind of connecting a lot of threads here, but that was something I, that's kind of, I thought about, about before. A boom, the boom and the bust. I wasn't following that exactly. Yeah, what do this you mean is, by that? I don't know exactly how I mean, but it, these, these moments where you have like, say something like a Ron Paul or even a you where it becomes this huge hot topic. And these people who aren't really understanding the message, they're just kind of introduced to it. They're caught up in the fervor, not something they really thought about. And then, I think there's something too that that could create well, the reason Cato types are the types you don't yeah, really I mean, necessarily if you want. If you didn't, I mean, don't have, wrong. It's just if you didn't have the Ron Paul, if you didn't have the Ron Paul revolution, you know, if you didn't have the Ron Paul presidential campaigns, then you had complete domination of the cocktopus of the Cato reason types. I mean, that was the entire liberty movement. The reason why all of us kind of exist and are now it really the dominant force in the liberty movement is because you had a Ron Paul. So the, the the truth is that, I mean, the way I see it, all of the evidence points to the fact that like, no, like having like some someone talking that real liberty shit, like actually representing it the way you want it to be represented is not what's going, like th that's what leads to all of this. That's why like, the, the, there's a reason like, the reason like Tom Woods is a huge figure in the liberty movement is because of the Ron Paul campaigns. Like that was his jumping off point. The reason I'm in this at all is because of the Ron Paul campaigns, Sal as well. And, you, you know, like, so it's like, I don't think, no, I mean, I think that like, the idea that we just shouldn't do it, it's like, well, then we're guaranteeing that the, the movement will be represented by people who I'm sure all three of us would think could use some work. Yeah, By the way, let's like get that. into paying some bills. Uh, I got some super chats. I do want to say, though, I'm probably the only one who wasn't converted by Ron Paul, but by extension, because it was you, Dave, that did it for me. And I've told you this before. Um, Still credit to Ron Paul. Indirectly. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> indirectly. Uh, do you think a state as it current as it is currently wouldn't crush an agorist movement? It got too large. I guess I'll let Sal take that. I don't know if Dave wants to touch it on it all because kind of, I mean, I'll even touch on it now. It's the whole idea of it. It's very decentralized and it's kind of like you kind of couldn't. I mean, I guess you sort of could in some ways around the edges, but I don't know if you want to touch on that. Yeah, no, you can't. And um, the reason why, like Jose said, because it's decentralized and we'll have, you know, private um, police forces and stuff like that. Really to really, if you want to like a deep dive on it, check out Jose's show on this Thursday or next Thursday. We should be getting to like, I think it's like chapter four of New Libertarian Manifesto where he covers that. So be sure to tune in. We'll go over that. Well, yeah. I would I would just say that um, if we're talking about, I feel like the term is uh, a lot of things are kind of bleeding into each other and getting conflated here, but it depends on what you mean by agorist movements or whatever. But if you're talking about the state crushing agorist activity, I mean, that happens all the time, constantly. Yeah. It's one of the awful things the state does. I mean, but yeah, black markets constantly get crushed by the state. I mean, I've seen fucking SWAT raids of people like serving raw milk. So yeah, yeah. Forget, I mean, forget the drug raids and shit like that, and all the people in jail for fucking gun possession and all of that. I mean, like, Russell yeah, like, Bricks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Russ Ulbrich is a great example of that. So yeah, I mean, these yeah. movements get crushed all the time. But just to make the counter argument for for you guys, it's not as if non-agorist movements don't also get crushed by the state. So, well, we yeah. also persevere all the time, right? There's still dark markets out there. There's still raw milk markets. So it's like they can arrest one of us, but there's always like a hundred black marketeers that they can't get to. Yeah, that's I, that's true yeah. for that's true for the white markets and the black markets alike. I mean, people get arrested right. and all people get crushed by the state all over. Um, and then yeah, there's always a lot of people so there's yeah, yeah. i do want to say dry, drywall oh thanks for the 10 bucks um when it comes to god i forgot i had a point but i forgot, forgot fucking drank too many beers fuck we'll move to the next one uh i love this debate i'm an agorist but i believe the lp is useful for converting normies that's the only reason i haven't left it i do think there's something to that although i would say like for us agorists the point would be it would be more on a interpersonal level 
And even then, like we have podcasts and stuff, it still works. Wait, am too, I, but am I confused here? What I don't understand about whole this debate is when someone goes, I'm an agorist, but I believe in the LP and I'm yeah, still a member of it. Well. I'm like, but that's the whole, then I'm an agorist. I mean, okay. Wait, like, what does this mean no. then now? Like, I don't get what, I don't get what these terms mean. So it's like, yeah, if you're just saying that like, hey, I believe like in, yeah, black markets are, are good and all of this, it's like fine. But again, like I just find this, I just don't get the binary choice here between it's like I have to be 100% in on black markets or out of them or not recognize, you know, as Rothbard pointed out that like with all of these things, there's pros and cons. And again, as, as Rothbard pointed out, it's quite plausible. He didn't make this argument like he believes this. He's just saying it's quite plausible that the black markets in the Soviet Union kept the thing going for years longer than it would have lasted. For sure. and, you know, it's it's like, I don't know now, but that that's not reason enough to say don't. You know, that's not reason enough to like condemn black markets. But all this shit, it's like the idea that you have to choose between like trying to avoid the tax man or like sharing a video that Spike Cohen made that was like some really great shit he was saying is like, this is silly to me. There's no, there's no like choice here. I, I would say on that though, I mean, if you run for president or whatever, or you keep engaging in LPMC, I'm still going to share when you make good points. It's just, That's all I want. It's, a, it's a specific aspect of the political thing. And I you do want to care about your vote, Jose. Can you even vote? <laughs> do you even have ID, man? I don't care. Yeah. Share my videos, dude. You got way more of a following than you have voting presence anyway. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> that, that is, uh, I've always joked that like voting is retarded, like, the, like on an individual level, like even if there was merit to voting, it makes more sense to just convince other people to go vote and you know and then Dude, just people don't do it yourself to, people gave me so much <laughs> shit when i said that i didn't vote for joe jorgensen and i'm like i had her on my podcast like <laughs> that's so much more of a contribution to her campaign than me just like one fuck one more vote anyway yeah <laughs> no yeah one vote is a it's a drop in a fucking pond um god what Damn it, I keep fucking remembering the point I was going to bring up earlier. Here's top. Uh, bring us some shirts to Dave to give Dave at the Florida convention, but just blank black tees. By the way, I'm trying to convince Sal to go to the fucking. <laughs> That's <laughs> really convince... funny. Top Lobster just giving me like Hanes shirts. <laughs> I'm trying to convince Sal to come to the uh, Florida convention because me and him. I'm going to come Florida and, and hand, out pol- hand out copies of my book. Just to Do that. Convert dude. people. To convert sure. people. Do yeah, that. I love LP events. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. I guess it makes me not an agorist, but I don't. Are care. you? You're no. in Florida, Sal. Yeah, St. Pete. How is that? Uh, where is St. Pete? Is that far from? Right uh... by Tampa. Okay, so where, come on out to the Melbourne. Convention? In Melbourne, I'm going to be there uh, this weekend. It's like it's like uh, 45 minutes from Orlando. Jose's giving me a ride. Are you? You're coming <laughs> to that, Jose? Oh yeah, I'm coming. I'll be there Saturday. Oh fuck I'll, yeah, I'll dude. That day. Fuck yeah. yeah, dude. We'll all hang out. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward. It'll be fun. I'll have it's gonna have uh, Clint from Literally Lockdown will be there, Cole from Tower Power Hour, and then one oh, other. Oh shit! Top. The whole crew's gonna yeah, be together. Well, everybody but Toad and Reed. So you know, oh, the way I like it. Him, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck those Screw guys. those guys. Uh, oh god, I, I keep remembering the point I was gonna bring up. I have too many. Bridges. Oh, I I want to know what I want to bring up. The I want to bring up the idea of when it comes to like Agoras and like uh, you know crushing Agoras or whatever it's Konkin literally brings up in uh in in his books the idea that you're kind of balancing pros and cons obviously you can fuck up your math sometimes but the idea is not to be entirely the guy living in the woods growing your own food doing everything counter economically you're kind of weighing the pros and cons what you can handle at a subjective level and so when it comes to like you know crime stuff obviously be cognizant 
uh, of what's going on. If you're going to do it, don't just be an idiot and be like, I'm just going to go do illegal shit and fuck whatever results may come. No one is saying that. Like if anyone's saying that's fucking retarded and probably either a fed or an idiot. So don't listen to them. Uh, if you're going to engage in the counter economy, uh, do it with a, like he literally had a formula in his books about like, you know, kind of like if you knew this is a fine for this, you know, obviously this is more clean than how the state works, but just kind of the rough idea. Like if your pros, if your profit outweighs your potential cost, then move forward. Like that's what makes the most sense. So when it like, comes to like crushing agorists or whatever, the black markets, yeah, they may get individual individuals, but I would kind of make the argument like, well, they did their math a little bit bad. Right. <laughs> so, that's fair. That's a fair yeah. point. Yeah. Some of you anything to say to that, so? I was just say we're all like agorists to a degree, like all of us, like even the most statist person out there. Like, so we win. Thing, You're an agorist. There's so many laws <laughs> that nobody could follow all of them if they wanted to. So but it's the, like to to an extent we're all agorists. But this seems this seems to me to be again a little bit slippery because it seems like the argument that the the agorists are making is that you should not participate in the politics in politics or in this. So in that sense, you go like, well, yeah, I mean, sure, like we're all a little bit like asleep every day we all sleep for a period of time but if your argument is we should sleep 24 hours a day then like actually yeah this no the truth is that the vast 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 majority of people do not live in complete counter economics and do in some way that the vast 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 majority of people pay some form of taxes um they no pay doubt. some for and they're in some way like under this status system so i just think that's yeah. a little bit misleading but yeah is, there's i think the argument really is that we're all anarchists i mean everybody like aside from violent criminals and politicians and perhaps their cronies which the rest of us all basically live in a state of anarchy where we pay off a fucking a mob boss and then for the rest of our existence we respect the fact that there are property rights and there's the non-aggression principle like whether for moral reasons or just practical ones and so that's that's how i look at it travis is trying to neg you into getting yoked <laughs> dude i'm jacked camera makes yeah. you look skinny dude i got these you, put on, cameras put on 20 pounds of muscle i'll vote for you all right <laughs> that, as if yeah? that means anything you'll give up you'll give up the whole thing you'll give up the whole agorist thing just for that uh dave thank you for calling out uh all the wars i will say uh the rogan thing fucking phenomenal you oh, you killed it uh yeah. you know uh but my family are survivors of armenian genocide escaped to syria and recently escaped syria in 2017 i love you dude if I ever got to meet you i'd probably cry tears of joy arabian pleb thanks for 20 bucks man and yeah oh. dave i mean not to i know we're here in like a sort of debate thing but dave in, in no homo has had a lot of large effect on my life i think for the better and as much as people say sometimes joke that like, why did you ever bring me into this? But I actually think it's made me for the better, which kind of ties into the agorist thing. Cause I have been, you know, trying to set my life up more apart from the state any way I can. Well, so, good. And, it's you know. well, I, I appreciate that from the commenter. That was very nice to say, and you don't have to cry. If we meet, we could just like have a beer or something like that. Or maybe <laughs> not make a it beer. weird. You're, <laughs> if you're a Muslim, I didn't mean to insult you with a beer. We could just like have a soda or something, but, uh, um, and I appreciate that, Jose, but I also think that there is a little bit of a point to that that might, you know, is somewhat relevant to the debate is that it's like, yeah, dude, like the more uh, people you introduce to these ideas, you're probably going to get a lot more uh, agorists as well, which would probably be good for the agorist yep. movement. All right. Now, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I no, want to no. have I want you guys, each of you, and I'll even give my critique of your own position, you know, you for you, Dave, utilizing the political route, you sell agorism. 
give your best critique of your own position. Like if you were going to play devil's advocate, I'll, I'll give you mine. And, and Dave kind of highlighted it already, like uh, kind of the hierarchy, the wage slave, and then also Konkin straight up says at one point he's a left libertarian. I understand the, all these arguments from an agorist perspective that, you know, he's wage slave is more tongue in cheek. I know you kind of took more literal there. I don't really, I kind of get what you're getting at, but I don't think it's literally a slave. Uh, it, I kind of side with Dave a little bit more there, but I do think some of the rhetoric does lean left, especially the left libertarian thing. And you know, especially the I'm a leftist part. Yeah, exactly. Really... But the problem was what most people don't realize not to go into a deep dive. When he said left libertarian, he was not using it into the, in the way that in a colloquial sense, we would define left and right. right. He was meaning it in not utilizing the state. But the problem right. is in modern day context, people read that a certain way and they go, oh, left libertarian. And then now you progress. So. No, I don't know that you're right. I don't know that you're right about that. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'd have to like do some more like fucking contextual research into this, but I don't think you're right about that. I mean, the context I actually think might be worse. The context of left libertarian is referring back to the term libertarian before Murray Rothbard reappropriated the term, which straight up was like an anarcho syndicalist, like Noam Chomsky type term. So the fact that he's saying he's a left libertarian and also opposes wage slavery, which I do not think was tongue in cheek. That puts him more in the category of like being like some like French libertarian fucking anarchist type, which is not at all what people who believe in private property are talking about. Which well, I will say, if that's the case, I've never said I'm tied to the ideas of agorism. Sure, all I've said, yeah, well, you don't have to all, be tied to one guy, even if you yeah. whatever. But I'm just saying, I don't think that's like, yeah. you know. Certainly doesn't I mean think, he's a progressive. I, I just find it to be the best label to describe where I'm coming from. So I even I, you've probably seen here the disagreements between me and Sal. Maybe Sal is more Konkinian than I am, or maybe I don't know. Reading text, you get certain interpretations. This is the interpretation I got from it. Uh, I, I got the interpretation when he used left. He meant to mean it in the uh, in the old, not necessarily in like a syndicalist way, but in like a not utilizing the state. That's how I read it. Uh, and so that'd be my biggest critique that that ends up leading to naturally <clears throat> attracting left libertarians or lefties in general. And then you end up having this ideology that's kind of flooded with people who haven't really read the work and then just fuck or did read the work, but interpret it through their lens as a left libertarian or leftist or whatever. And I think that does have issues for the larger movement, at, the movement at large, if you will. So, well, the, the, the term left libertarian, the reason why Gorism is considered a left anarchist philosophy is because um, the original anarchists were all leftists, right? Like Proud Dune and all those guys up till Tolstoy, they were all leftists. None of these people were like private property anarchists. And really, we can't really blame them for it because if any of us existed in the pre-Mizestian era, we probably wouldn't be able to figure out the business cycle of theory either. So um, that's one reason why. But another reason why is because, um, like Jose said, all left libertarians traditionally have had an anti-political approach, whereas right libertarians have had a greater tolerance for politics. And then the third reason why is, of course, have a class theory, unlike NCAPs, who don't have a class theory whatsoever, by the way. We actually think that Marx was right insofar as identifying two actors in class theory. There's like this binary division that Marx identified that was correct. He just happened to identify the, the actors incorrectly. He said it was like, the, the proletariat versus the bourgeoisie, when in fact, really, like the worker and the, on the entrepreneur have a sort of symbiotic relationship. And we know that from like Bombay work and, and later Hop. So like, 
again, it's anti-political. The founders of, of anarchism were leftists, and we have a class theory. So that's really the three main reasons why we get painted as leftists, which is a term, by the way, that I embrace, frankly. Well, okay, so I think that um, the, the again, I mean, the wage slavery stuff is just pretty nutty to me. I mean, it's like the idea, like even as as Sal made earlier, the idea that you know taxpayers are you know slaves or unlibertarian, fine, but in any type of free uh, situation, uh, it, all of the evidence points to the fact that you're going to have people who sell their labor, and that that's been true with every degree of freedom that human beings have ever had. Um, I mean, I, I suppose you could guess that that'll just magically stop if we get more freedom, but I, I don't think there's any evidence to back that up. I would uh, agree with you that, yeah, I'm not expecting proud hun to have figured out the like you know uh Misesian, like ca price calculation problem but it's really not that hard to figure out that some stuff belongs to other people and some stuff belongs to you so the idea of just using that as an excuse to like oh we there's no way we could have figured out property rights the, the theory of property rights predates all of those guys by thousands of years so i just don't like i think and, and you know it's kind of the fundamental principle to all of libertarianism so i'm not really ready to just like be like oh that's it's no big deal whether you're really for the property thing or not hey who you know that's that's pretty huge um and um i don't agree with you and i think you just proved your own point that, that no hoppa does have this whole class theory uh jeff dice at the mises institute talks about this all the time the imposed versus the opposed upon and i think that that's a, a different way to to basically say what is i almost think that it's inherent in libertarianism or at least it's just one step away from deducing it that of course the two classes not that this defines everything as marx kind of idiotically insisted but the idea that yeah there's one group of people who initiate violence against peaceful people and then their cohorts and then there's the peaceful people who are coerced and that that pretty clearly sets up a dynamic where there is this this class system um however what i think libertarians should recognize is that that class system is not as neatly cut up as much like a lot of leftists would like it to be. And in fact, like billionaire CEOs could very easily be in the imposed upon uh, class rather than the imposers. Um, not quite often in our society, they're on welfare, but regardless of that, um, I would um, I, I would say that I think um, you know, the, if you're going to rail against wage slavery, I mean, there's just like and then call yourself a leftist in the tradition of all of these other left anarchists, I hope people would realize how removed from the tradition of like private property, capitalist libertarians, those guys are. We're talking about really completely different things. Not to say that they weren't against the state, but, but I mean, I guess Karl Marx was against the state in some sense too. I think still it's a very different thing than we are. All right, let's not really go down another spurg fest. <laughs> We're gonna keep things down. Spurg fest. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sal, I want to hear from you an honest critique of agorism if you had to give one. So, like, I, this is more of an intellectual honesty test for all of us of, like, if we're able to give critiques against our own position. So I want to hear what your – if you were to argue against yourself, what your best critique against agorism would be. And we'll do the same thing for Dave with utilizing the political sure. system. So. Um, I don't know. Can I go, can I go second? <laughs> I really have to think about it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's okay. You can. Um, well, I guess, look, I mean, um, there, there is opportunity cost to everything you do. And I'm trying to make like the mo the best, you know, educated guess about what I think will provide the best thing, you know, but I guess the biggest critique of this is that I could be getting that wrong. 
And that's quite possible. I mean, I think about all this shit like all the time. I don't know. Maybe I never should have started reading these fucking books. And I should have just been a fucking comedian who's like kind of fucking, you know, like, I don't know. I probably like in the Kaufman sense, I probably would have ended up being a comedian who was calling out all the bullshit and crazy shit anyway. I wouldn't have had this libertarian theory behind me, but maybe that'd be better. Maybe that would have been better for the world. Maybe I should just focus on fucking, you know, like uh, maybe, you know what I mean? Like there's always like something else I could have done. And like, so sure, I go like maybe, you know, by pursuing this fucking political route, it will uh, elevate me to the point that I'll get fucking canceled and deplatformed and then not be able to do as much good as I could have done if I had just stayed in the pocket like I am now and fucking keep doing Rogan and shit like that and fucking do it. So I think about all the time. Whether it's like, because there's so many unknown factors that like maybe there's something better I could be doing with my time. But, you know, I, I guess what I come back to is that if I, the more I think it through and think about all the things, it's like, okay, well, no, I think there's a stronger argument for this. But there is like, yeah, there's there's no question. Like, I could be wrong about this strategy. All right. Yeah, I appreciate Steve. that. That was, uh, that was very humble. I will say, though, uh, I don't think you should just be a comedian. I like your comedy. But you're much better at spitting the comedy shit than you are a comedian, in my opinion. That's kind of backhanded compliment. You are funny, but you are very good at spitting the liberty shit. So that's, uh, <laughs> it's debatable. I'm a very good stand-up comic. I, don't know. I heard um, someone say Robbie's better, but yeah, <laughs> that's a lie. Robbie wouldn't even tell you that. Well, Robbie's a very good comic. Robbie's yeah. Rob. Rob's getting real strong. He's making me work when he opens for me these days. Yeah. All right, Sal. Uh, Let's see if you can pass the intellectual honesty test. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, but first of all, I agree with Dave. I think that um, you actually bring up a really good point that I hadn't even actually brought up yet. But, like, think about, like, George Carlin like or um, Bill Hicks was the guy's name. Like, think about the effect that they had at, at criticizing the um, political system. But they didn't do it from running for office. They did it from their comedic platform, which is sort of the same thing. But um, not to go back to that. criticize your own position, all right? Right, right, right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Intellectual honesty failed. No, I think, look, agorism is risky to the individual. There's no way of getting around that. It's something that, um, you know, look at Ross Ulbricht. You're doing double life plus 40 for creating a website. So it's like there's – it's risky, no doubt about it. And I think risk is sort of something that's subjective to the individual. Like how much risk somebody has will depend on – where they are in life, if they have kids, if they have obligations, responsibilities, how old they are, things like that, how much money they have. So like, there's always that to consider. Um, but again, I think that that's sort of a feature that that's sort of a byproduct of the effectiveness of the strategy, because it's like, they're going after us because it's working. They're not attacking like the people running as a Republican, they're not attacking as, I, mean, I guess they are in a certain sense, yeah, they are. Like, I, but not as much as they're like, they're not giving them double life plus 40. Like they're not they're not doing what they're doing to Cody Wilson. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so yes. Like, so in other words, I guess just to sum it up, agorism is risky and like you gotta be careful. All right, let's uh let's hit up the super chats. So now's your last chance for super chats. We'll probably get out of here. We're getting a little long here. So, but this is this has been fun. Uh Dave, come on my show from Madonna for Liberty. No, two bucks is worth more than that. Come on. He's gotta make a really dope video about me. But you gotta make it. You can't fucking have Dan make it for you. I should have added that caveat and <laughs> all right. Sal, isn't libertarianism a vector towards an agorist society? Incremental winning hearts and minds towards stateless freedom. The enemy of your enemy is your friend. Uh thanks for yeah. the uh, twenty bucks, Lawrence. 
Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that. Again, look, I'm here because of Ron Paul. So I'm not saying that that these people are my enemy or anything like that. I don't, I'm not like we're all I view libertarianism as sort of one community. It just I just happen to think that the agorists are more like they're we have the sharpest sword of the entire army, I guess is the way I would I would put it. But I, piggyback, I would just can, can I just say to that that I think there's something that is like technically incorrect about that. I mean, it's like the, the libertarianism is a vector toward an anarchist society. But if we were to abolish the state, then I think agorism has no meaning at that point. And so basically we would all just be anarchists. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, you can't do I mean, it's sort of semantic. if there's no state. Yeah. No, but I'm just making the point that the whole the whole idea of our agorism presupposes that you're living under a statist like society and that you're avoiding that state. Yeah. So the idea is that what we're all talking about here is a, a world of what well, I, I think at least I I. I'm talking about private property based, uh, you know, based on self-ownership and a just acquisition of property, that a world based on private property and the non-aggression principle is what the end goal is for all of us. I, I would say that uh, I think Konkin would say that because the whole idea of agorism is to enter the agora, you know, the open marketplace. Right, so that right. would just be you achieved it, essentially. But uh, I do want to point out something. I remember I think it might have been Dave uh, that brought up that or no, Sal, that we're all on the same team. That's one thing to, to keep in mind with your thing. Like we may have differences in praxis, but at the end of the day, we all have the same end goal in mind. And that's we're just trying to help each other out. So at the end of the day, we're all friends here. I mean, unless you're an absolute yeah. cunt about it, I guess. But <laughs> all right. I think libertarians could make more of an effort to reach the same types of people Eric July is reaching right now. Dave especially could gain a lot of momentum in those circles being comedian. By the way, great hosting, Jose. Thank you. Uh, I, what do you want to reach out to black people? I don't know where you're getting at. <laughs> not interested. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, no, but I mean, that's not it's not just like black people like Eric July fucking hits a whole audience. Of, like, yeah, he's like a big like uh, he's big into like comics and shit like that. And as a whole. But I'm, I'm not into that shit. So I don't know. I'm probably not going to talk to those guys as good as he does. He also reaches the doing... neocons. Yeah, he's Eric is a fucking monster, dude. Like that guy's like a real unique human being, like a fucking he's like a great singer and rapper. And then also is like has theory down perfect. Like he's he's a monster. That's but I, I couldn't do it exactly the way he does it, but I kind of can do it the way I do it. So I don't know. I mean, I I try to reach as many fucking people as I can, but. That guy, right, his uh, first, he's killing like, it, man. So I, I fucking have nothing but I, I admire the shit out of Eric. Jolotti. His minimum wage video that he initially got big off of. Was yeah, like, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Excellent. All excellent. right. Well, I know how much time you guys have. We're out of super chats. I don't know if you got one more thing I wanted was thinking about asking, but if you guys don't have the time, we won't. I was gonna have you guys ask a question of each other. If not, if you guys don't want to bail, that's fine. Just let me know. Uh, but if you think we have enough time for both of you to ask a question to each other. I think that'd be good too. That's up to you guys. So sure. we can I, do that. I just got to think of one. Yeah. yeah I, can anyway. hang. I don't really have anything off the top of my head, but I, I got time. Well, shit. If neither of you ha even know what you want to ask. <laughs> you ask the questions. I was told you would host. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, it's always fun to, to have you guys, you know, what would be your question to the agorist if you had to ask a question or you to be the political people? No, were you asking your audience that or yeah you... well i'm asking you guys if, oh if, that's just another yeah. way of asking us to ask the questions yes. i don't yes. fucking know all um right. i mean i don't know i feel like i asked a lot of my questions yeah. during uh during this thing all right i probably should have prefaced that earlier all right with that if you guys want to drop your plugs we'll get out of here <laughs> go ahead you go first dave uh yeah uh comic dave smith on twitter and uh 
I'm on Instagram now. I got someone running my Instagram. So at the problem at problem Dave Smith, I think on Instagram. So I'm posting videos and shit there. And then part of the problem and you know, all that shit. When do we get another special? I've been dying for a new Libertas. Dude, I'm I'm this year there'll be there'll be the follow up to Libertas and it'll be better. Please. Uh, but uh that's uh dude, I was fucking so ready in 2020, man. I was so fucking ready. I would have had it out by like probably early summer 2020 and then the world shut down on me and I couldn't fucking tour with it and it fucked everything up. And then 2021, I kind of started building up the new hour and then I got my wife pregnant again, and then we had some health stuff with the baby, and it just kind of slowed everything down. Uh, but uh, but I'm back out now, and I'm fucking I'm working on it this this year for sure. Probably by the end of the year, I'll have a I'll have a new hour out. So and I'm, I think I'm just gonna put it out for free on YouTube. Just so uh, you fucking so. knock her up again. <laughs> Charge people ten bucks, twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah maybe. I just kind of want to like. Yeah, maybe. I I might. I think I might just put it out for free. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how we do it. All right, Sal, you want to drop your plugs? Um, Sal Mayweather, at Sally Mayweather, or just Salvi Goris. The book is Anti-Politics. Check it out. It's on Amazon. Or you could DM me if you want to pay for crypto. Um, 3dprintergobird.com for 3D printers. You can pay with crypto to avoid KYC payment platforms, although honestly, I don't have any inventory right now. I'm waiting on, like, I've got some supply chain issues and shit. And agorathreads.com for anarchist and agorist apparel, clothing, stuff like that. All right. Well, uh, if you guys want naked cats, I'm here in Florida. Hit me up. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, this is the No Way Jose show. Uh, this is on. YouTube. This is what agorism leads to. All right. <laughs> yeah. hey, Stay away. Uh, I could break down the economics for you, and you might change your mind. I mean, maybe not you, you with your big baller money. But uh, this is the No Way Jose YouTube, or you can find me on YouTube, all the major audio podcasters, Odyssey as well. If you want to follow me on Twitter at 2020, 2020 No Way Jose. Uh, patreon.com just no way jose 2020s if you want to give me money i like money give me that like share subscribe comment all that good stuff i really appreciate you guys coming this has been great uh you know it, i definitely thank you guys for you know helping me out along this path and this has been a uh, uh, i wanted to do this months ago and i'm glad i finally with my diplomatic uh, uh you know uh fucking acumen i was able to set it up so <laughs> well thanks thank thanks to both you guys up. uh yeah I, I really enjoyed it yeah it was yeah, fun same. Uh, all right with that we're out